Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, uh, hello everyone and welcome to Pod Strickland, episode 344. And I am not Schwinnipoo, I am Zach Blatter, filling in for Schwinnipoo because he is at a reception. I don't know if it's a wedding reception or some other reception, he did not give me any details beyond that. But I'm still joined by Prez. How are you doing, Prez? I'm doing all right. I'm I'm very professionally mid-bite for this introduction. I'm nice. curious now, what kind of reception? Yeah, I, I didn't get that? any details. Very weird. Before we know, get you, into you would think, reception you would think, and basketball. You would think this man could give us yeah. the lowdown, but... Nothing. nothing. I guess three, 348 episodes of Pod Strickland doesn't get you that far. Okay, on to the business. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta get into some, some, legal, some legal stuff. But before we get into that, we gotta say... The last of major pro sports leagues kicks off this week, and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With the NFL and college football and the NHL in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both with both desktop and mobile apps for each sport. And uh, head to Bet Online today and get in on the action. And don't forget to use promo code BLEAV, believe, to receive your 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And the Strickland has an Instagram. And believe it or not, I run it. I'm the only person who's logged in. So I would really appreciate you if you followed and supported on there because Twitter gets worse by the day. And you never know, we might have to switch over there permanently at some point. Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be listening and watching this pod. Make sure you're subscribed because that would really mean a lot and it would put us on the screens of other people that don't even know who we are yet. The Strickland also has a Patreon, and if you're listening to the preview of this pod, you can access the rest of it if you pay for the Patreon subscription. For $6 a month, you get access to the full version of this pod. You also get access to our Discord server where people are talking Knicks, talking basketball, talking other sports and food, and movies, and TV, and all kinds of stuff all day, and you get access to Takes from Obvious Bozos, where I and my co-host Doug review takes that are submitted from that Discord. You also get access to feature articles from Matthew and Miranda, invites to private events to watch Knicks games throughout the season, which we might even have this week, and discounted merchandise. For $9 a month, you get our brand new NFL show, Strictly NFL, hosted by Jeffrey Rasmussen and Constantine Matrakos. And they just had John Schmelk on as a guest this week, so that was a big episode if you want to listen to that. And you get even more perks if you subscribe to our elevated tiers. Okay, now we got that jazz out of the way. The Knicks have played five basketball games this season. Whereas I, don't have, I haven't talked to you much throughout the five games. They uh, beat Boston. They lost to New Orleans. Beat Atlanta. Oh, well, we beat Atlanta first, and then lost to New Orleans. And they played Cleveland twice, and they split the series. First one was really fun. Second one was not fun at all. And that was last night. Prez, what did you think of last night? Well, it's interesting because right now, the vibes among Knicks diehards are 
in the gutter for reasons we'll get into. But before that game, you know, I thought things were all good with this team. Like, it, that's not to say this team was in midseason form or scoring a thousand points like Boston, but like, you know, field goal percentage aside, I was like, okay, this team is carrying over some defensive gains from the second half of the season and the playoffs. And DiVincenzo is as advertised as a shooter, and RJ looks solid, and Brunson and Randall and will do their thing eventually, and Mitch looks like a beast. And, you know, the, the losses they had, I, I wasn't going crazy over. Um, the New Orleans game was, you know, like Zion and Ingram are tough. It, that's how this shit happens sometimes. And the first Cleveland game, it was ugly, but I, I didn't leave the game. I didn't finish, and I didn't watch it live, so I already knew that we had the dub. But coming out of that first Cleveland game, like, it, that was an ugly game, right? Like, yeah. we had barely passed the ball. It was another, like, 2000s-ass score, 109 to 91. Um, so, I mean, we scored triple digits, but, like, for today, 109 is not a lot. And we did it just via brute force, kind of like the playoffs versus Cleveland, for a lot of Mitch. Um, you know, offensive rebounding, just crushing Evan Mobley, who was without his sidekick, Jared Allen. And uh, it was just, I don't know. I, I wasn't really, like, guys could have played better. Like, RJ, it was one of RJ's worst games of the five, but it's because that's because his other games were that awesome. And I don't know. I, I felt the vibes were good. So part of me, after seeing the craziness of the last game that we lost closely, but not closely at the same time to uh, the Cavs this time with um, Karis Levert back. He didn't play in the first game. I don't know, man. Like I, part of me is like, yeah, everything and we'll get into it again. Everything we saw from like Julius and all that shit is extremely worrying. But also like, if you told me, Julius just picked this game to just be like, fuck this, I'm not I'm not going to work today. And then was fine for another two months or another month. I'd be like, uh yeah, that's kind of on brand. And would I worry? No, like as long as Julius ended up playing better and put this in the rearview mirror. Um so it's that waiting for game six that is really, I think amplifying a lot of the angstiness right now of Knicks fans. But, like, given a day to kind of digest it, I'm still pretty torn. On the one hand, it's one game. On the other hand, it's just without Julius – he doesn't even got to be all NBA, but without Julius approaching all-star level, things just become really hard for this team. Um because he's, as we saw two years ago, the kind of player who, when he's not right, it's not like he's not contributing. Instead, he's actively damaging. So, I don't know, man. Um, I have mixed mixed feelings, and I'm just kind of fucking ready for the I know it's the Bucks, and they're probably going to come like a buzzsaw after getting their asses inexplicably handed to them by the Raptors. So, I'm, I'm pretty torn. How are you feeling? Um, yeah, similar boat to you. I was kind of feeling great going into the second Cleveland game because we had put together four solid games and I thought we didn't even get to see like half of what Brunson and Randall can really do. Like we've seen them be at their peak and I was like, oh, we're two and three or what were you? 
two and one or at the point or something like that. I don't know what we were two and two actually. And I was like, Oh, we're, we're looking good. You know, we, we've won these games. RJ looks terrific. Dante looks terrific. Quickly looks terrific. And we're, we haven't even gotten the most out of Randall and Brunson yet. So, you know, maybe we haven't even seen the best of this team and that's what was keeping me feeling good. And then, you know, that second Cleveland game is just a total disaster Randall performance. And, you know, guys have games like that and it's like, okay, you know, you can move on. It's the fifth game of the season. It's it's easy to do that for most guys in the league when they just have a bad game and then, you know, you forget about it and they play better the next game. But Randall is just one of these few players where it's hard not to be nervous. Like, we've seen this happen. We've seen these bad games happen. And he follows it up with a worse game, the worst game. I think uh, Jeff and I have been, like, co-tweeting during these games. And he tweeted that he was like, I hope this is rock bottom already. I'm like, it's it's game five. And, like, I got the some bad news. I don't think this is rock bottom for Randall. Like, how, how often has it been rock bottom game five into a season? So, it's it's hard it's up there. To, yeah, this was re- oh, this was a really bad moment. But just like thinking <laughs> that, like this yeah. is going to be like, there's a good chance that there's a worse performance than this at some point in the season. Like, there's a lot, there's a lot of time for him to be even worse, which makes me very fearful and kept me up at night last night. But beyond the Randall thing, which is it's hard to get beyond that. The other like eight we'll, we'll circle back to Randall. Eight. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll circle back to Randall. I mean, Dante is as advertised and more. You said that before. Uh, I think I love how he's been more of a willing shooter than I expected him to be. I kind of thought he would just step in and just like do OB stuff and like, you know, fill out and like maybe uh, get some steals and do Dante things. But he's he's firing away. There was one, I think, in the first Cleveland game. It was his first field goal attempt and it was like four feet behind the three point line. He canned that. I was like, oh shit. I didn't know he had that in his bag. But uh, quickly looks terrific. Quickly's mid range has been an absolute rele- revelation this season. And it I'm seems like he's, sure he's taken more midi yeah. than loaders. Exactly. I think I don't th- remember him like taking multiple pull up mid ranges in a game. No, ever, ever. Like I, I don't no. think that ever happened. No. And now he's done it in every game. Like so, that's a huge, huge thing. And maybe he's been watching the Brunson tape. You know, he's got that mid range game down. That's that's going to be massive for him. I would like to see him get a, a few more minutes here and there, which is another conversation. I actually thought like I had a tweet before the second Cleveland game, and I was like, I'd like to see Grimes get a little more involved. And it didn't really happen, but it, I thought there was a like they're closer towards get, getting him a little more involved. He was second to last in touches before the Cleveland game. I'm sure he's, he's probably still in that spot. Maybe maybe he moved to third to last or something like that. But it was just Hartenstein who had less touches than Grimes at a certain point, which you know that's ridiculous. This guy's a starter. He's one of the best shooters on the team. So give him the ball, maybe. I also think his defense has been terrific. He was awesome on Donovan at certain points in that game. He was awesome on um. Who do we stick him on? He was terrific early. Oh, Trey Young when we played Atlanta. Uh, I thought Hart is kind of getting his shit together after it was a little bit of a weird start for him where he wasn't shooting when he's open. He wasn't like doing the Josh Hart rebounding stuff where he just flies in from off the screen and steals rebounds from your favorite big man. But he was doing that again, so that that was nice to see. And I even thought like McBride looked okay in his brief stint because RJ was out. And Mitch, I mean, I didn't even mention Mitch and Hartenstein. Mitch and Hartenstein have been absolutely tremendous. Like this is the best center tandem in the league. And we have 48 minutes of absolutely amazing rebounding, amazing shot blocking, and amazing finishing. And it's hard to ask for more from both of them. But, yeah, you look down, up and down this roster, one through eight, the ninth guy being Randall. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty good thing to see. Yeah, just going through the guys, some observations. I had I made a thread after the uh, the the loss, the first the opening season loss versus Boston where I just made random positive observations. And I fully intended to do that every game, but 
like most of my ideas about writing about the Knicks, I did not follow through. <laughs> there, are, I have so yeah. many drafts, draft, draft articles in my Google Drive that yeah, I don't even know. I got so much half baked shit just lying around the internet. But um, just like to to touch on a couple of the players you touched on, um, one of my so I'm just gonna go through some of the guys and then like things I was questions I was waiting for them to answer and then whether they've answered them. You mentioned the touches with Grimes. He, I think he's dribbling the ball a little more, but he's still not really getting more touches. It's the same, like, he's open in the corner. It's just now every once in a blue moon, he might, like, do a sidestep dribble or he might take it, uh, he might do a handoff and try to just take it up the middle or, or something like that. So he had a, He's had at least one alley to Mitch. I forget if it was the first or second Cleveland game. And Clyde actually remarked on it. And he was like, it's very rare to see a play where RJ or Brunson or Randall don't touch the ball, but Grimes getting it done or whatever. And is he right? Like, that should never happen. <laughs> like a, a pick and roll that doesn't involve the, the big three. You could probably count the number of times that happened with the starting lineup uh, on one hand. Um, quickly does it more than Grimes, obviously. but. For Grimes, that's pretty rare. With Grimes, what I'm really... It, it's still super early. I don't really care about stats that much. Obviously, he's like... He's missed a lot of open threes, it feels like. The percentage isn't there yet. Again, it's fucking five games. I don't care about that. But I do... It'll be interesting to see this season because last season... I, and B-Ball Index had a stat on this, and I don't re- even remember how it fucking works, but, like, it basically measures, like, streakiness of a shooter, and people were asking me, and Schwinn was asking me, like, is it the new B-Ball Index that they were like, he was like, check this for Grimes, because the eye test is, like, Grimes is a streak shooter, right? Like, he'll go a week when he's just, like, shooting 30%, and then he'll hit, like, 25 threes in, like, a 10-day span or something like that. Um, and he he did have a high rating for streakiness, so it'll be interesting to see um, if he can put together long stretches of just nailing the wide open shots, particularly ones that are not from that left corner where he's like automatic cash money. Um, his defense is as advertised, like you said. Although I will say, I kind of got a little bit of a reality check versus New Orleans because he was on CJ McCollum for a while and CJ was fucking bodying him. CJ's stronger than people think, but like, it was just one of those reminders where it's like, oh, yeah, Grant Grimes is a shooting guard. Like, he's not really a wing. Like, he's 6'5 and a great defender, but, like, some guys can move him physically. Like, he's really good randomly against some, like, big wings. Like, he was great versus in, in Boston. Um, he was great against Jimmy Butler in the playoffs and all that. So, not even, you know, nothing to worry about, but it was just – Something funny. I was like, damn, like, I ain't seen nobody push him around like that. Who would have thought CJ McCollum was the one? Uh, Dante, if this holds, he's at, I don't know at what point three point attempts stabilized, but it's not just your eyes. He is actually pulling threes more than he did in Golden State and actually more than he did anywhere right now. He's at 11 threes per 100, which would be the highest of his career. He's never cracked 11, although he has been at. Um, above 10 for uh, a couple years now. Um, so 
He's definitely shooting that thing, like you said, with a four-point range. So you love to see it. I've been surprised by his defense. I know his defense was supposed to be pretty good, but like his hands are crazy good. Like he gets he gets highlight steals. Like I don't aside from Deuce, nobody else on the Knicks really gets highlight steals where I'm just like, oh shit, like that was impressive. It's usually like somebody's fumbling the ball and Brunson goes in there or Someone throws an Eric Cass and Mitch has ten feet arms, so he just snags it, right? Like like that block he had versus Cleveland in the last game from behind was that shit was like a highlight block. So um it, his defense, Dante defense, is legitimately exciting and I need just for five minutes at some point this season, I just need a Dante Deuce IQ, someone, Mitch unit, maybe Hart. Just I think we got that. I think we got it in the second Cleveland game. I'm pretty sure I I tweeted it when it happened. So let me look at what it what it was. There was like a four guard lineup. Maybe it wasn't IQ in there, but it was hold on. It was McBride, quickly, Dante, Josh Hart, and then Isaiah Hardstein. Okay. Okay. So yeah. That, but there it only go. was like three minutes long. But that's still it happened. Like it was a top yeah. two team playing a four guard lineup, if you call Josh Hart a guard, which he is kind of. So that was a, a shock. I look forward to seeing that lineup at like the end of random third quarters and second quarters for like one and a half minutes. That's must watch league pass goodness right there. Um, So yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Um, Mitch, I don't have anything to add aside from, you know, all the things we said, he's been our best player this year. Um, The interesting thing leading up, and actually really including the shitty loss to Cleveland, is like our defense as a team has looked pretty... There's two main takeaways for me. Our defense as a team looked pretty good, and that was one of my main questions this year, was like, we had a Dante who's a good defender, but like his team was a bad defensive team last year who had a good defensive playoffs versus one good offensive team and one bad offensive team. So I was like, I have no idea where the defense is going to shake out because so much of the defense being bad last year was because RJ was terrible and Julius was terrible and Brunson is just a small defender who can be taken advantage of. And on top of that, we had 20 games of just Rose and Fournier. And we had like 30 games of Hartenstein while he was hurt. So part of me was like between Hart coming between the team having more experience together, between RJ and Julius just not absolutely shitting themselves on defense all the time. Like, this team should improve at defense. Not to be, like, amazing or anything, but they should improve. And I feel like the early returns on that are positive. Like, Julius definitely has the most space out of the team, but RJ has been pretty great like night and day compared to last year. He's not, he's still not like all defense or anything, but he's just solid. Like I wouldn't even say like neutral, like he's just been fucking solid. Like he's gotten more deflections than I expected. And he just seems to be doing the right thing and he's in shape and all that. So that makes all the, all the difference in the world Um, quickly and hard, just getting a ton of minutes and Dante means like every bench player who's coming in is pretty much a great defender. And uh, you can just see kind of the chemistry there a lot of the time. Um, so that was like 
it's still only five games in, but that was the first question. And the second question I had about this team as a whole was really, we didn't see many teams exploit what to me was the Knicks' biggest weakness on offense last year until the second half of the season after the All-Star break, which really isn't the second half. If you remember it, we had like, you know, like 20-something games after the All-Star break, right? And that's the shitty passing of the Knicks. We don't have plus passers. Like, we have Hart- Hartenstein, pretty much the only plus passer. Quickly solid. Brunson's okay. Randall, when his head is on straight, is okay. But, like, none of those guys really process the game super fast with the ball in their hands. So we saw, like, I, I remember distinctively the Raptors always took advantage of it. The Pacers try to take advantage of it by just throwing lots of traps at the Knicks ball handlers and forcing them to find the open Nick, forcing them to pass. And then in the playoffs, what we saw was not just traps, but um, just kind of shading. Like they would ignore if RJ was on the court, they would like ignore him a little bit and then just kind of shade off him to not like hard double team the ball handler, but like just annoy, just be like in the vicinity enough that they have to think they did the same thing to Josh Hart. And I was like, that's the book. And like that, that, that to me is like the book. Like everybody talks about, Oh, the book is out on the Knicks now with the offensive rebounding. And I'm like, that's true. Everyone knows that, but they can't actually do anything about that because unless you have like Joel Embiid or some shit, like it's very hard to stop Mitch from doing that without committing multiple players which means you're giving up something somewhere else particularly like in transition if if you got two or three guys on Mitch when he's trying to get the offensive rebound that means that's one or two guys who are not going to be out on the break so um so I wasn't really worried about that what I was more worried about was like teams are going to force Brunson to be a passer right like when Mitch comes up to set a screen they're going to be like we dare you to pass it to Mitch Rowling. Do it. You're six feet tall, Jalen. You can't do it. And even if you do it, we don't care about Mitch doing anything on the short roll until he proves it a hundred times. So uh, they're daring the Knicks to do that. And there's been a couple of times in the first five games where you see the Mitch pick and ro- the Mitch Jalen pick and rolls just kind of go nowhere far, far ahead. So. I- I'm waiting for Tibbs to adjust, and I think he will, just like he did in the playoffs with some more guard-guard stuff and just some some stuff that probably he was hoping to wait until a little later in the season. But when what I say all that to say, like, to bring it full circle back to the shitty last Cavs game, we didn't have RJ, so that's one less shot creator. Um, and they were just kind of forcing the Knicks to pass, right? And we saw it in the game before where Randall had eight turnovers. Like, this is what teams are going to try to do. And uh, they're going to pack the paint and force Randall to shoot. And the combination of leaving Randall wide open and just triple, quadruple teaming him and being like, we dare you to not do something stupid and make the smart play is a gamble. And, like, sometimes that shit might not work out. There's been Knicks games in his career where he's had, like, 14, 15 assists. But the last game versus Cleveland was not one of those games. This guy was wide the fuck open a bunch of times, four by my count at least, where he just pump faked. 
And there were times he got into the paint and pump faked. And to add insult to injury, I mean, he's clearly not 100% from the ankle. But, like, even if you're not 100%, I'm like, bro, you can't get by Nyang. You can't get by George's Nyang. This motherfucker is built like a microwave. You can't drive past this guy. This is this is something that brings sadness into my heart. I could probably get past this man. So, like, it was it, it was just a perfect festival of horrors for Randall. And then you add on top of that, it wasn't just, like, passing up shots or missing shots. It was both those things. And we've seen that. But to, to your point earlier in the pod, like, this was something else entirely, right? Like, he... We've even seen him been lazy on defense. We've seen him argue with teammates, and he did all of that. He was lazy on defense multiple times. He was stealing rebounds. He had an arguments with Grimes and with Quickly. I mean, not Quickly, with Brunson, um, probably with someone else. Oh, and IQ, too. Um, so he argued with three different Knicks. And that's all we got from TV, by the way. Like, if you're in the arena, I'm sure there's way more that we're not seeing. So it's, if you're yeah. getting, like, multiple instances from the TV broadcast, there's a, a cause for concern. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, and then it, it turned into, he's like, I'm not making shots, so I'm not going to do anything, which is, that that's, like, a new level yeah. of poutiness that we haven't seen, where he's just, like, um, you know, like, I'm not going to shoot the, I think he shot the ball four times in the second half, which part of me was, like, good. Every time you fucking put the ball on the floor, some nonsense happens, but at the same time, it's like, you are playing four on five, and as anybody who knows who plays pickup knows, if you're playing four on five, it's really hard to win. And guess what? That's even harder in the NBA, the best professional league in the world. And guess what? It's even harder versus the team that employs Donovan Mitchell. So like, it's you can you're just sinking your team so bad, and it's one of those things where I just that shit just sucks for the rest of the Knicks team. Like I just feel like. It sucks that they have to deal with that. They they have to deal with somebody who is just like, I'm out. I just I'm not doing it today. And you know everybody knows they they got love for Julius, but like in terms of just on the court in that given moment, that shit sucks. You don't do that to people who you rock with, and he did that shit. And it's not the first time, but it is probably one of the more intense instances of him. Uh, quiet quitting, as they say, on the court. And that is scary, right? Which is why Knicks fans are like, it'd be one thing if he did that after a bunch of games where he was just heating motherfuckers up and dropping like 30 points, 25 points, 35 points. But he's been dog shit on offense to start the season. And it's not just missing shots like Brunson. It's hesitancy. It's it's lots of pump fakes. It's lack of ability to get to the free throw line. Um, so where do they go from here? I don't know. I, I think he should have time to heal his ankle. And I mean, it'd be nice. I know he's Iron Man, but it'd be nice if they just give him a rest day every now and then. I know we've been saying that shit like that for a couple of years, like that he needs just like a day to get, get a, get a shit together, but maybe he'll get it with the natural day off. Right. We don't have a back to back. They got the day off. So. That's the scary thing. Like, I, I know Knicks fans are traumatized from maybe not you, Zach, because you know I'm old and you're not. But like, a lot of Knicks fans are traumatized from just the worst thing happening. So, I I'm gonna verbalize some shit that I know 
all these Knicks fans are scared of. They're like, Julius Randle's going to do this for the entire season. He's going to become untradeable albatross who shoots 30% from the field. R.J. Barrett's going to go back to normal, and he's going to stop hitting threes. Jalen Brunson, who has hit hard two-point shots for all of his life, the genie will finally have abandoned him, and he'll just turn into a small guard who can't hit, like, fading three-pivot you know 20 footers and all that and then we'll just be left with mitch and a bunch of fucking garbage and all things will be terrible those things will not happen i'm pretty confident even julius is going to shoot better than 30 percent but yeah i just gotta buckle up because it might get a little worse before it gets better Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.